On tonight's episode, we watched Blade Runner 2049. Oh, shit. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it was great. I, uh, I'm glad they won an Oscar. We actually watched Cherry 2000. So, uh, Devin, uh, yeah. what we did actually watch was Cherry 2000, which was essentially Blade Runner. Explain to me how that was Blade Runner. Well, we're not watching Blade Runner yet, because Blade Runner is set in 2019, and it's that... currently the early 2018, so it could still happen. You you think that we could get flying cars? And off-world colonies and replicants. <laughs> in one year? Uh, and we're also going to... And Atari is going to come back. I will publicly shit my pants for you if that well happens. <laughs> well we'll deal with that when we do blade runner but this week we did watch cherry 2000 which was very similar because it's all about uh copies that are disposed of copies of humans mm-hmm. uh and it's also set in a uh starts off in los angeles mm-hmm. uh, moves into the wastelands uh it features um the guy who played uh kowalski <laughs> in a very minor role <laughs> reprises his role clearly from blade runner and uh, it's just I, I just forgot, as good. I forgot he was in that. I was honestly, I well, every time I see that guy, I just think back to Fifth Element. Was he in the Fifth Element also? Yeah, he was the general. There's like I've got the guy for the job. I do remember. Well, we should actually say yeah, this was Cherry 2000 for real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, despite the fact that it stars, it, it's also Blade Runner in some ways. Yeah. No. But I mean, most ways, it's not. They had a really nice cast, though. I really. They did. The yeah. So Cherry Two Thousand is set in. It is set in twenty seventeen, right? Yep. Twenty seventeen. And it is a movie that came out in, I believe, actually, it was I looked this up. It was filmed in the early eighties, but came out in eighty nine or eighty seven, I think. Eighty seven. Yeah. So I'm not sure if they changed the twenty seventeen date to be thirty years in the future or whatever, but I guess it, they had trouble marketing it because it was all over the place. Well. Watching that movie, yes, <laughs> it's like yeah, that's true. It's like five different movies at once. Yeah, it's it's not a faithful finding or fateful finding, but it's definitely uh, <laughs> no. It's it's, it's a unique its own film. thing. So, um, I looked up the budget on this bad boy. This movie had a budget of ten million dollars, according to the L.A. Times, which is uh, it's rough. It is rough uh, because it made fourteen thousand dollars box office. <laughs> um, uh, and but apparently it did have a, a sort of a cult revival because it got an early VHS and a pretty aggressive VHS release, and it made a decent amount on reruns on Sci-Fi. The, uh, well, before we get into the plot, I want to go over one more thing, and that's yeah. the cast because this is something we oh, agree yeah, was yeah, pretty yeah, cool. Yeah. yeah. So regardless of the futuristic setting, the cast has Melanie Griffith, Academy Award winner, pretty crazy cool. also. Uh, Tim Thomerson, noted B-movie actor. <laughs> of, you know more. Well, he was in Doll Man. What else was he in? Oh, shit. Uh, I, I don't know. He uh, was in Doll Man and just a bunch of full moon pictures. Yeah, basically he's a full moon like person, <laughs> which is crazy. Evil Toys? What's it called? Uh, demonic Toys. Demonic Toys and yeah. Demonic Toys. That's yeah. right. Um, he plays like... Does he play the old man? No, I, I, I don't remember. But yeah. he. But it's got uh, Pamela Gidley, who's uh, all right... Had a couple impressive small roles. Harry Carey Jr., Lawrence Fishburne makes a tiny cameo. Crazy. The main guy who's like a discount, Christian Bale, he, he, I don't think I've seen him in anything else. I, I was struggling, I was struggling to figure out what he was actually in. Cause yeah, probably I, nothing. Yeah. The, the point is, though, that the cast is overall pretty decent, especially for a B-movie. A lot of Old West stars make appearances. Byron James, that's his name. 
Never, yeah, we'll never hear that name again. No, we won't. Uh, so, the movie is set in 2017, and we should do a plot summary that's not nearly as long as last week's. Yes, agreed. I'm sorry. In the future, the world has survived. Romance has not. Right, so we'll say a dinner, complete sexual encounter, optional episode in the morning, right? I gotta run this past my own lawyer. Pleasure is strictly business. But it will be possible to have the perfect mate. A Cherry 2000. Looks great. And we start off with the nameless man. We're not even going to say his name. Well, I mean, it's, it's Sam Treadwell. Okay, well, Sam, we'll say his character's name. Sam Treadwell comes home uh, and has a very, very, very long sex scene with his robot wife. Uh, she starts putting a bunch of water in the sink, and then they start making love. This takes forever. It is like a five-minute long scene. Yeah, I'm... Uh... I'm a little weirded out by it just because it's kind of very obvious that, like, something's going to go wrong. Absolutely. Here. Yeah. They have this bizarre uh, foaming bubble bubble soap, which just gets everywhere, and it's going to take forever to clean up. It looks like a popcorn machine, but if instead of popcorn, it was bubbles. It was, it's really strange, and she shorts out, and it, does any amount of fluid just cause her as a, as a gynoid to just explode and short out? I don't get it. Yeah. It, it's not like she has open, like, parts exposed yeah and like he clearly has had sex with her before yeah i mean he's used her as a as a, as a device in a, this dystopian future but like well hold on he loves her oh of course of course of he course doesn't use her that's true treadwell does explicitly love her because after the 13 to 14 minute long i don't think it was that long but <laughs> no it was it was a <laughs> it, was, it was very long after this painfully long scene uh he goes to another b movie actor and they get he tells her that like What's her model? It was Cherry 2000 was her model, right? Yeah, yeah it's the name of the yeah. movie. Uh, yeah, okay, just making sure. Yeah. So he shows her a bunch of, oh, I don't want to get too sidetracked, but he shows her a bunch of other, like, models, models, and they're all, like, tropes, like, you can have this mouthy one here. <laughs> we got this one. She's a, she's a real kick in the sack. It's oh. like... Oh, she's a young'un. Yeah, they're all, like, total scummy things, like, check out all these sex spots you're going to have, son. Well, it's funny, because when, when he first was, like, saying, oh, yeah, it's broken, I can't do anything about it, I was like, oh, does he actually care? And then he was like, oh, I do i do care i i know you we're lovers and i was like is this a salesman becoming a scumbag <laughs> yeah that's right the salesman like you and me we're collectors of fine art it was it was really uncomfortable very so after he talks to the very scummy dealer very uh there's a brief scene which is pretty cool where the, you see the dystopian future is like he's an executive at a metal company yeah so he like is basically at the recycle company yeah um, and I guess, uh, which by the way, everyone in the future has to recycle. Like it's almost law because basically humans have destroyed the world. Yeah. And there's two more B movie actors that I recognized that are his like scummy buddies. And they tell him, let's go out to uh, a club who they, they also sound like robots. They do. Yeah. <laughs> they do not sound like they're acting. Uh, they go out to a short club and that's where he realizes he doesn't even want a real woman. He wants his cherry 2000 back. Yeah. Who wouldn't? Uh, <laughs> he, he gets called like a jerk bag at one point for not having his card. Correct. Now, this plot line goes nowhere and is never finished up and is never brought up again. <laughs> and from this point on, the movie might be set in like 1933. <laughs> There's no more sci-fi in the rest of the film. Well, I mean, minor, yeah, minor it, just, it basically goes to Mad Max. Yeah, it turns directly <laughs> into Mad Max. It, it, except if the Mad Max was in some type of hotel resort where everyone just wore really comfortable clothes. <laughs> we'll get to that. That was awesome. So he heads out to find a bounty hunter who will take him into the wastes to find a replacement body for his Cherry 2000. 
So he gets uh, her name is Edith Edith Johnson. Johnson. Yeah. Edith Johnson. That's the one played by Edie. Yeah, Melanie Griffith. Mm-hmm. Edie. That's right, Edie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he hires her after a couple altercations in in the town of Glory Hole, <laughs> which is just an honest name. Yep. Um, Byron I, James is there and tries to rob him. Uh, out of curiosity, do you think that they named it Glory Hole or it used to be called like America's Glorious Hole or something? No, they straight up knew what they were getting into. So it, they they founded a town in the post-apocalyptic world. Let's say they found it in 2007 and they're trying to think up a good name and they're like, Intercourse, now that's taken. Hell, uh, that's in Michigan. Yeah, and, and then some guy's like, well, guys. What's your favorite thing in the world? Glory, Glory Holes. <laughs> I search it all the time on the Goog. Well, they don't have the Goog, of course. It was oh. 19, uh, they call it the network. <laughs> the network. Let's jack in. It's Yeah, it's referred to as the Matrix. Uh, Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> so he hires her and... Uh, they go... Basically, they just, like... There's it's a, like exposition. Like, there's a couple long scenes of them driving through the desert. And then yeah. they drive through a very well-shot and low-budget action scene. The wall? The wall. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For some reason... They don't have lights in the future. No. And she's driving blind. Correct. And she acknowledges this and says, I drive with my gut. <laughs> and her, her car has like a bunch of readouts and like a whole bunch of information. And it uses like a, a Thrustmaster <laughs> joystick for the, yeah, yeah. For, the, for the clutch. Basically, it's a car that doesn't exist and will never exist. No, it looks really inconvenient. Like there's a bunch of dashboard shit that just covers like covers half the windshield. It's like a, it's like a plane because she switches so many switches. <laughs> yeah, but she's got a bunch of metal metal buttons. Um, so basically she gets to the, like, right outside the checkpoint and she goes, here, put on this helmet. He's like, why? Why why don't you put it on? Well, I don't want to ruin my hair. Her hair, it does not look that good. It's actually cherry red. (laughs) Okay. Um. Okay, Devin. We don't, no. (laughs) So basically she has to rev through the checkpoint because people are just mean and they are lazy. And so in order to get past them, they have to blow a hole into it and just start shooting. It, it's pretty well shot, and there is a guy who just has a flamethrower who just waves it in the air for yeah. like fifteen minutes. You, you could just tell the director's like, "Look angry, look angry." Yeah, there's a bunch of dudes with machine guns, and they're all getting shot. And like, she just says, "You know how to use one of these?" Hands him a newsy, and he's off to the races. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this scene goes on really long. This checkpoint is like half a mile wide. Oh god, it's terrible. Oh wait, no, I, I'm sorry. I was talking about the first checkpoint where it's dark at night. Are you talking about? The- yeah, that's what I'm talking oh, about okay, too. Okay, okay, okay. Sorry, there's another checkpoint. Yeah later guys um and then there's what you're talking about where they get to the hoover dam that was actually i was about to say good well it was actually set up set it was actually filmed at the hoover dam no i i got that it's just more of like it was good to start with and then it just like trailed off it's like 10 minutes long it's the longest action scene i've seen since like fury road also everyone has a bazooka for some reason yeah there's a guy with a crane who grabs their car the car they're in with the magnetic crane and just shakes it around and like this is yeah there's like a hundred people with bazookas i I don't what's funny is when they shot the guy with the crane he goes i'm shot (laughs) that's right right. she says take out the the operator they they shoot him there's a a scene of him of him slumping forward slightly in the ADR and oh man I got hit a few seconds later you see him and he is fine because yeah, then he just operates the train the crane again and he proceeds to use yeah it uh it's a quality scene right, it's so, actually not not a good scene no. 
moving forward, uh, so then they, uh, the crane drops them basically into a big hole, and they go into like this underground reservoir. They meet, uh, oh, his, what's his name? An old Six Finger Jake. They meet Six Finger Jake. They explain they're going to have to get close into like the dark zone, Sector 7. Sector 7. Or Zone 7. Zone 7. They yeah. start to cross. Uh, the main character gets knocked out. And in a jump cut so brief, I thought it was a dream sequence, he wakes up. Yeah, that was very jarring to me. It was some of the most intense editing I've seen yet. I, I, I don't think I've ever seen an edit and then them acknowledge that edit. Yeah, it looks like he gets hit and then gets slapped into a different movie. Yeah, because he's straight up different outfit, different setting, like uh, completely different area. That's true, yeah. Filmed in a different state, I think. I think they actually that's actually they, they filmed in, that in California. No, I thought it went... Wasn't that Nevada? Whatever. Either way, it looks totally different. Yeah, straight different. Um, it's Sky Ranch where they went. I don't even know if that's an actual hotel. I don't think so. I wish it was. It actually looks pretty cool. You meet Tim Thomerson's character, who's like an evil general out in the wastes. He's actually like kind of cool. Yeah, and he's charismatic. super charismatic. Yeah. Tim Thomerson is a is a great B movie actor. Yeah, I actually I actually like him a lot. Yeah, and he plays. I'm not really sure what the theme they're going for is. It's like a really. I don't want to get too pop culture It's like a fallout thing where it's like an old 1950s ranch and they've restored it and they all wear 1950s yeah. clothes like they're on vacation. It's almost culty just because like they're all like in a relaxing like suit. Yeah. Everyone looks really chill. Like bikinis. Like it, uh, it doesn't uh, look like Panama shirts, Panama shirts, uh, Hawaiian shorts. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And like for, uh, for an evil wasteland militia, they look like a bunch of dads. Oh, and they straight up have the classic trope of, like, what is it? Sunscreen on the sunscreen, nose. That's right, the sunscreen on the nose. Uh, they He has dinner with them. They kill they kill an intruder in uh, a, what's supposed to be a really brutal way, but ends up just being goofy, where they put a paper bag over his head and then just shoot him. Yeah, like, the main character is a little disgusted, but it's kind of like, Dude, you didn't see that coming? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he looks surprised. Because it was like a 10-minute scene of... Well, let's make it seem like it's not obvious. <laughs> yeah, and I remember the actor who's about to get killed, the the wasteland scavenger, keeps on saying, "What's going on, guys? <laughs> Please, somebody tell me. I don't uh, understand." Oh, it goes on so long. Uh, Cherry, not Cherry. I'm sorry. Um, the tracker, Edie. Edie shows up, rescues him. Well, they, he he rescues himself. Uh, that, that's real? true. He rescues himself by running away, punching a man, and running. <laughs> Oh, and then then she shows up, takes a hat for some reason, and That's then they true. start I going. About that hat. Oh, but they also shot up the cars so they couldn't be, be pursued. Yeah, at that point, that means nothing because the next scene they fix up the cars and they're they're chasing after Edie and Sam, Sam. Treadwell. Such a <laughs> such a memorable name. Uh, they escape. They go to a little ranch. Uh, the ranch owner betrays them both. Well, it's a gas station. It's a gas station. I'm sorry. Yeah. They really brutally kill. Oh, what's his name? Six fingered. Uh, Six Finger Jake. Six Finger Jake, who they've built up the whole movie. Yeah, they, they okay. So I was a, maybe maybe we'll talk about this later. I was just confused by his character. But anyways, they kill. It was kind of backstabby. I mean, it was actually backstabby. They yeah. straight up shot him in the back. Yeah, <laughs> they kill Six Finger Jake. Uh, Edie and Treadwell steal a plane. Uh, they fly back to they fly to the Omega Ranch or something. It's like some warehouse where they keep sex dolls. Oh right, that's like uh, Tim Thomerson's like backyard. Exactly. They, yeah. they they fly over there. Didn't they kill him on the way? They fly. Yeah, they fly over there. They break in. They get the cherry working. He puts the personality chip, which we didn't even mention because it's despite it being a plot element because this movie is bonkers. Yeah, this is a crazy movie. She remembers him all of a sudden, uh, and they're escaping. They have to. Drops some load, so he 
basically sacrifices his lovely Cherry 2000 android ginoid. Give me a Pepsi. Yeah, he says, give, give me give me a Pepsi, honey, which is really bizarre. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't understand that. Uh, apparently, he loves the real woman now. They fly off, and uh, they kill Tim Thomerson by impaling him on a, on, a, on a Vegas sexy statue. Right, 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 right. Well, uh, easy come, easy go. Easy, absolutely. <laughs> uh, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Yes, exactly. And they literally, literally fly off into the sunset, and the credits roll. Just like that. Just like that. What'd they get wrong? I guess we should talk about the setting that appears in the movie for almost 15 minutes. I'm very shocked that they even, like, even tried. It was an interesting one, though. Yeah. Uh, no, I actually liked it. I kind of wish they, like, gave us more. 100%. A lot of the time, it doesn't matter. In the sixth day, the setting was essentially clones. Clones. And then uh, Jesus Overtone. And pretty close to 2015, otherwise. Right. No. Yeah. A lot of Jesus Overtone. In <laughs> <laughs> this one... Um, they've got the world's, first of all, the world's most inconvenient system for delivering water to a sink, where they have a weird dome over it so you can, so water doesn't splash out, I guess. It's so dumb. That that was the first thing that I'm like, wow, it is the future. Yeah. And the funny thing is, like, they were also trying to, like, like the setting of the kitchen just looks like it was trying to be the future. But, like, nothing worked. Absolutely. Nothing about it. Look, could have been 1963. Yeah. It could, it, honestly, it probably was, like, a 1963. <laughs> they and they just, just renovated. Re- yeah. <laughs> Well, that does go back to the setting. Uh, it was uh, kind of neat. Uh, they imply that resources are run scarce. Um, 40% unemployment. Forty Down to 40% unemployment, yeah. Oh, was it down? That's what that, that was oh, the I good news. I thought it was news. up. Jesus. And uh, the main character... Um, Samuel Treadwell. Or Sam, Sam, <laughs> Sam Treadwell. Mr. Treadwell uh, works at some sort of metal company, and he discusses that he... He's an executive. He is, he is an executive. He has a lot of money to throw around. Yeah. They and, made it very apparent that he's affluent. <laughs> he uh, discusses with Cherry, his uh, gynoid uh, wife, that... By uh, the way, gynoid means that they are fake women. Right. Well, they're it's, not it's real. a female android. I right, get it. Right, right. Our listeners aren't idiots, Devin. Well... You gotta exfoliate. They're not replicants, it's true. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, he does explain that they bought a big shipment of bolts because they're desperate for, like, nuts and bolts or something, and they're all rusted? Well, 90% of them were rusted. Yeah. Yeah, and it was rusted to the core. Can do nothing. (laughs) I don't know. The setting, uh, was there, like, a metal-eating plague or something? I'm not sure. I I think it has something to do with California, but honestly, to me, it didn't make sense. Yeah, because uh, they, they show off the interior of his business and it's a massive like dystopian recycling center where you just see hundreds of people waiting in line with like garbage goodwill electronics to be recycled yeah and they all looked like they were homeless because they all had shopping carts yeah everybody and had a shop that's the, right the weird thing is like for being the future they also had a robot pushing a shopping cart at one point and i was kind of like did they you? yes no straight up like when he was walking down the ramp and his two jump chums came with him there's a robot just pushing a shopping cart <laughs> and i'm kind of like you guys running out of resources why did you break that thing down <laughs> was the robot like with people or was it just a citizen you think I, I, good question i have no idea it, yeah. it wasn't like it was like a replicant it was a straight robot <laughs> it must have been i must have missed this <laughs> yes it was it, it, either that or it was a homeless man covered in metal <laughs> <laughs> honestly i wish i wish that the whole movie had been in like uh dystopian los angeles because that movie would have been pretty damn good yeah yeah, uh, like Soylent Green, but like a campier, cheesier one. I don't know. Honestly, I think that would have been better because I felt like they went too adventurous. Yeah, it was like an adventure were, movie. Yeah, a low budget adventure movie in the desert. 
low budget. Well, it was, 10 million. It was 10 million. I'm sorry. <laughs> that was 1980s, too. Speaking of 1980s tech, they have a, an advanced chip that they keep on calling it a chip. It's uh, it's not a chip, though. It's a, it's a disc. Not a mini CD. We're talking like thumbnail size. And they love to show it off in this movie. They love to show it off. <laughs> they will like show you every time it's in an interaction, you'll be like, but what about this? And then they show it to you. <laughs> That's true. Every time they show off his little his little chip player, uh, he like will eject it, show off the chip, and then put it back in. Yeah. And then, oh, I'm going to play my memories. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that's what made me think of Blade Runner 2049 specifically. Yeah. How he has his digital girlfriend's mer- uh, personality and memories saved on a tiny device. Yeah, it almost makes me wonder if like they even got past that stage of well, replicants uh, do exist, and can we identify them? This was well, this had come out before or after this had been filmed before Blade Runner, but come out after it anyway. Right. Um. So something else in 2017, a everyone wears see-through plastic raincoats. Yeah, don't don't understand that. And B, uh, there's an old west revival because there are just dudes <laughs> in Van Cleef mustaches everywhere. Yeah, I I didn't understand that either. And it was just, it was just a, it was like, first off, he drove down a highway from Anaheim to this glory hole. To glory hole, the town of glory hole. And it's straight, like. A, a, it appears to be the set from a different movie, yes. Yeah, like, I don't understand that. Like, how, how did they look at that and be like, yeah, that seems like the future. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't, it's not. Uh, Las Vegas is destroyed. Yeah. Uh, they never explain how or why, presumably the metal-eating plague. Yeah. I, I would I would assume that, or they recycled it. They recycled it. I mean, that would make sense, yeah. We should talk about the last thing that was really interesting, and that was the bar scene. So basically, in the future, you cannot have relationships without a lawyer. You are supposed to sign a contract with this, this other person on how your date is going to be. Yeah, if we're talking uh, touchy, no touchy, anal, vaginal, ocular, whatever it's going to be. <laughs> yeah, whatever you want, it has to go on paper. There's a really great scene where there's a lady and a guy, a very unattractive man, debating like what's what they're going to do, and eventually she's like, it, "It's off, it's off," and like the lawyer comes in and says, "No." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, "If you put your tongue down her throat, I will sue you." Which he should because that's assault. <laughs> yeah. but, but that's not what the movie's saying. It's because it's not in a contract. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's pretty weird. It's a little problematic. Yeah, but I mean, Lawrence Fishburne is in it for all of not even a minute. I don't it, even think he's in it for a minute. He was so smooth though. But he was so good. Uh, people have these. This was this was young Lawrence Fishburne. I want you to know. Yeah. Like, um, uh. Definitely the biggest star, except yeah. for the main actress, who yeah. I've forgotten because I'm an idiot. Uh, let's pretend I didn't say that. <laughs> and keep taping. Uh, there's also everyone has like these demo reels. Oh yeah, well it's because like they're trying to advertise themselves. Like, <laughs> oh, I was with Johnny in this one. It's like, oh, um, okay. They're all holograms, of course. Yeah, but I think the idea is to show I can be pleasurable. Please hire me. Yeah, it's uh, it's a weird choice. Except it's not hire me. It's it's sign a contract with me. Right. Regardless, the, that, that one scene was pretty interesting. Yeah. They, they definitely try and make it clear that sex has been commoditized, and I think that's why certain guys, especially uh, Tim Thomerson, are like, oh, you know, uh, real women are nice, but uh, if only I can get a chair 2000 working, am I right, boys? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's that, and it's just like he can pawn the parts. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah. It's actually crazy to me, because I felt like the city 
was more like don't get me wrong the wasteland was unrealistic in a lot of ways but it actually did look besides being crazy mental mentally crazy psychotic people yeah it did look fun (laughs) it did it did did. you know honestly they i feel like the wasteland's a lot more interesting in this setting than it is anywhere else like yeah there's all these stuffy stuffy types in the in the city of los angeles but out in the wastes they're just having parties having barbecues dressing up in 1950s clothes cosplaying role-playing yeah Having fun, relaxing by the pool, it, maxing, chilling, <laughs> relaxing. <laughs> All those good – it looks pretty chill. Yeah. No, I, I, I love it. And, it the Ma- and there's no Mad Max chase because the movie does not have the budget for a big Mad Max chase. It does, however, have the budget for a scene where a dude with an M60 who's sitting on the hood of the car just bursts through a wall yeah. and <laughs> just starts shooting each other. They just play the catch-up game. Yeah. Every... Oh, where are they? Oh, they're not here. Yeah, the Mad Max chase scene is just them, every time they're parked, a bunch of guys in a car will show up and get killed. Oh, that's such a B-movie trope, It's pretty great. Yeah. anything right i'm gonna be honest i don't really think they did they must have gotten something right because like even the car that he had is like something that doesn't look like it exists we have to recognize that it is a comedy ish is it listed as a comedy i (laughs) the movie's a lot of things is this a tommy was so where it goes to dark comedy i think it's supposed to be it's not supposed to be taken seriously the way ridley scott wants you to worship blade runner but right even so i don't think they got they must have gotten something right uh i'm thinking man but i really they don't we don't have chips like that we don't have androids or giants. they recycle like us they recycle. <laughs> You're right. They too recycle. A new concept in the ni- in the late 1980s. Hmm. Recycling. Try it today. Um, no, I mean it's 2017, man. They... Las Vegas is still around, I guess. Uh, Las- I mean, some of their technology was the same. Name one thing. The plane. It they... wasn't like out there. It was actually a normal plane. They just built it back up. We're really, st- really reaching. We're really here. stretching, yeah. Um, the red radios. <laughs> they had radios. I think. Um... Well, so here's the thing: is that like it didn't. This is a story that we did where it was like more focused on like the like not the explain... nonstop action thrill ride that yeah. was as funny as it was heartwarming. Yeah, because it wasn't like like Six Day like really tries to show you the the background as well. That's true. They care about the setting in the Six yeah, Day. This it, movie, it was all in that first twenty minutes. No, yeah, it was like let's 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 explain the setting and then let's go on from there. What was actually going on back then? So, um, Brittany Reese uh, helped me out with some of the research. Thank you very much, Brittany. Think to the craziness of the 80s. We're talking um, Gremlins. Gremlins 2 with Lady Gremlin. No, but for real. It was the era of uh, public sexuality, especially... Expressing themselves. uh, Absolutely. It's post-Vietnam, right? Mm -hmm. Um, It is an era of excess, of economic uh, boom time. Um, There's a, a lot of change going on. Uh, we have a lot of characters in the media. Sharon Stone is a great example. Madonna, Brittany also pointed out. Oh, Blondie, that's right, Blondie. And we also saw stuff like kink becoming more public, uh, BDSM themes, and a lot of that continued into the 90s grunge. 
uh, when we eventually cover Shadowrun, we're going to see quite a lot of uh, leather gear uh, constantly. Uh, it was a time when, um, you know, there, there was an early club kid movement, right? Think about celebrities um, in the 60s. Uh, have you ever seen that awful five-hour-long Cleopatra movie? Don't worry about it. Yeah. But that was a big scandal because two people, one of them married, uh, had an affair on the set. And in the 80s, this was an era where this was no longer quite so controversial. Uh, plus, it's an era where LGBT issues changed, too. Um, right. More acceptance. Absolutely. Uh, we are past the first and uh, we're at the tail end of the second wave feminist movement. So uh, this film has a not so subtle critique of uh, of uh, good women versus bad women. Absolutely. It's yep. not it's very apparent. There was the um, the good women, which is basically Edie. Uh, she's a go getter. She's very proactive. She wants to do her own thing, um, although she still falls in love with the main character. Um, she doesn't rely on the main character for anything. Honestly, the main character, Sam, relies more on her. Um, but then you have uh, Sam's ex-girlfriend, which we didn't mention earlier. Yeah, she just shows up. Oh, yeah, she has no build-up, and all of a sudden she's at the, she, the ranch. Eleanor, why are you here? My name's Ginger now. It was really bizarre. It was, it was stupid. I suspect that they must have cut scenes with her. They had to have. Like, maybe he had a flashback or something, and that's, like, why Cherry 2000 became <laughs> You mean, thing. like, that amazing flashback where they flashback to Cherry 2000 exploding? Yeah. And it was, like, five minutes earlier in the film? Did you also notice, real real quick sidetrack, they flashed back to a scene that didn't happen yet. Wait, is that true? Yeah, because when he goes, oh, you know, I, I found I found out that there's some in this region. Oh, yeah, that's it's right. Like, <laughs> they flashback. It was, that's like, right. in the middle of the flashback. So it's like, what... Like, did you guys cut that and then realize, oh, shit, we cut it? we got to put it back in somewhere. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was an interesting film. Yeah. yeah good point. Um, but, yeah, so, and then uh, Eleanor is kind of like this, uh, she's very old traditional woman where she, like, helps uh, Tim Thomerson's character, uh, Lester, in any way possible. Makes Absolutely. him sandwiches. That's true. That, um, that's right. Like, she... pats his mouth when he eats and, like, it's, she's, like, nannying her, him over and over Very again. 1950s, yeah. yeah. It's very apparent. Which, um... Another quick callback to, like, let's say, not the 1950s, but let's say the Great Depression. Um, there was a recession in the early 80s. Uh-huh. Or right before this film was shot mm-hmm. is when the recession stopped. Really? So I honestly think that that might have something to do with the whole recycle theme. Interesting. You know, that, that makes a lot of sense because that ties into a lot of other really early 80s films and especially a lot of 70s movies. Soylent Green comes to mind. Right. Where a lot of them all focus on... Processing and like... Absolutely. Environmental degradation, um, you know, po- apocalyptic style economies. Escape from New York was like 82, right? Yeah, actually, I think it was, it was an earlier movie rather yeah. than a later one, which I'm sure there were plenty of awesome post-apocalyptic movies <laughs> in the later 80s. But uh, I think that uh, I think more to RoboCop, right? Yeah. The wealthy but cyberpunky dystopia. Right, right. Especially in the 90s, too, with stuff like Johnny Mnemonic. It's a time when I think, and I want to go back to something I said, that sexualization within the media, right, in a public-facing way, is a big change from the disco scene of the 1970s. Right. Right. This is on television. This is in movies. Uh, you're seeing your RoboCops and whatnot, and you're seeing um, sexy dancers constantly. It's not just like a, a grungy movie like Coyote Ugly. Uh, you know, it's um, if anything got anything right, I think that we should laud them for that. I honestly think maybe it has to do with something why it didn't come out until four years after, because they probably hmm. had such a struggle with it because it was so like quacky. That's a good point, right? It has the road warrior adventure bits. Yeah. 
Uh, and it has some of those weird dystopian sexual, uh, you know, the parody of a sexualization bit you'd see in RoboCop. Yeah. With their parodies of corporate culture. Um, you know what this movie needed to be? Mm. Needed to be RoboCop. Done. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Genie. Thank you, Film Genie. No, but in all honesty, I think it's in a similar vein, but that's tough to market. Yeah. RoboCop marketed itself as a straight, awesome action movie with... Uh, who directed RoboCop again? Because we will have to go over that eventually. I think in conclusion, Paul Verhoeven's magnum opus, RoboCop, second only to his other finest film, Starship Troopers, it, it's a little bit like RoboCop in that it tries to uh, be an action movie that subverts some of the tropes and tries to point out hypocrisy and, uh, you know, pastiche, uh, the contemporary media environment. But it's not as good as RoboCop, doesn't have the budget of RoboCop, and doesn't have a sweet uh, gun that, like, comes out of his leg to shoot dudes. Yeah, uh, the action... The action kind of falters, and you can definitely see that uh, in all three action scenes. Right. <laughs> yeah, but it wanted to be like RoboCop. It wanted to be a little more, a little more socially conscious than your average Hollywood big budget uh, post apocalyptic movie. Well, I think that shows through just because of the cast that they got. Right. It's very B movie cast, but it's all notable B movie cast, and it was like, wow, holy crap! You know, look at these people, right, all in one film. <laughs> so uh, I think that's uh, that's about it. Yeah. What are we watching for our next episode, Devin? Well, we are going to find a copy of LA 2017. Oh, yeah, yeah. We were looking at that. That's from the show uh, The Name of the Game, right? Yes, yes. In fact, Steven Spielberg, one of his first things. Really? That's pretty intense. Yeah, I know. It's uh, something that I think you and I are going to really enjoy and look so. forward to actually like talking about it. Yeah, 70s dystopia. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I mean, 40 years of prediction, right? Um, so if we can't find that, because it does seem kind of obscure, uh, we're going to fall back on Rollerball, another 70s dystopia movie. Jeremy, you have no faith. We will find this. We'll find, well, we'll find it, yeah, yeah but we'll Rollerball's a B-plot. I yeah. Think. Uh, and thanks to Matt White, uh, another of our friends, for suggesting uh, Rollerball. Okay, I think that's about it, right? Sounds good. Uh, this has been the Worlds of Tomorrow podcast. Thanks for listening today. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Except that's in a month. <laughs> okay. <laughs>